41 in the New King James Version. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. If your Bible glows, hopefully you have power. See how long that lasts. Mine's glowing. That's glowing. This is steady. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Are you guys ready? I promise. It's going to be a Father's Day message, and I'm going to, it's going to be different than anything before, and it's going to impact everybody's life, and I think that this is right where we need to be. It's not by accident you're here today. It's on purpose. God's got a plan for your life, and I believe that this message will impact you and cause change in your soul. I encourage you to lean in to the Word. I encourage you to lean into it. Get, take notes if you do it on your phone. Some of these new phones, you can take pictures, and you, it turns into notes. You can do all kinds of stuff. Limit yourself on distractions. Stay focused, and see what God's going to do through you in this moment. All right, here we go. Luke 8. 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler, in the <clears throat> ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude As he went, the multitude followed him. Now the woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who spent all of her life livelihood on physicians. You ever find yourself in the doctor's office too many times? Physicians, and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment or touched the hem of his garment. And immediately her blood, her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes, they're pressing you. And you're asking who touched you? Basically, everybody's touching you, Jesus. Everybody's touching you. Oh, the Messiah. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived the power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell, at the, fell down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people, the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, Do not be afraid. Only believe she will be made well 
And when he came into the house, when he came to the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, John, the father, and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Some translations say they laughed at him. They mocked him. Knowing she was dead, but he put them out, put them all outside. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. Then the spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given some, something to eat and her parents were astonished. But he charged them not to tell anyone what had happened. God, I thank you for what you're about to do in this moment. Have your way, God. Do what you do best. You're the great physician, and you know what's best. I pray that the word goes where it needs to go today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jairus was a ruler in a synagogue. He was well-known. He was a religious ruler. The leader of a synagogue. I guess an, uh, an official appointed by the elders to look after the building, the contents, and the, the arrangements of worship. He had things going on. <clears throat> so this, this moment with this gyrus shook him up to his core. He's a ruler. He's, a, he, he's a, of an importance. He does... He does things and he tells people what to do. He, he commands the room. So I want to tell you today that this is kind of like a crash course in fatherhood. I'll, I'll tell you like this. Push has come to shove. Push has come to shove. He's got responsibilities at work. He's got people looking at him with expectations. He's got people looking up to him. He has authority. And he's a young ruler. And he's got it all going on. He's winning over here in this moment. He's winning at being the ruler of being in charge. He's winning over here, but his daughter is dying. So the crash course that every father must take in, at one time or another in life is the test of number one, your priorities. Every father must take these, this, this crash course and in, in, in life, it's going to hit you one way or another. Whenever it does, it will hit you. But it's your priorities. Mm. When you're torn between this and that, 
which one will you go to? This is not about making recitals. This is not about the ballet. This is not about whatever sport they play and you got to show up. This is not about whatever they're involved in and you're trying to be a part of their life. Not about the practices. That's all wonderful. And, and he might have messed all that up. But the girl is dying. And she is dying for the lack of his attention. Because you can be winning over here at the expense of losing over here. She is dying with the lack of what, what, a, what a torn situation where do I go and try to find somebody or do I need to be by her side the rest of this moment? Because you can be winning, like I said, over here at the expense of losing over here. I, I bring this to you today, church, because there's, I, I, I guess I'll say it like this, I'm concerned. And let me just tell you the title again, when push comes to shove, that basically push, it has come to shove. Push has come to shove. Would you shove your kid out of the road if they were getting ready to get hit? Push has come to shove. Almost shove you, just jolt you. Wake up. I'm concerned that most men who go to church, most of them go to church without even changing their priorities. It's a concern. Just in general, just men in general. Most men go to church without changing priorities. They go to church, um, they like the idea of faith, but really, sacrifice and full engagement. There are many men in church who are, have never really considered giving all to Jesus. There are men who never consider giving all. They'll participate, they'll show up, but not give all. Man. Maybe you never considered really cleaning up your act or being a real Christian. And if that's the case, what you are is just a church guy. You go to church, you don't really pray, and if you do, is it really seeking the Father or is it just a bedtime story and a, a quick little prayer before meal? Is it prayer? You don't really read the Bible. Do you really read it? Or is it just because it gave you the reminder of the verse of the day? Do you dig in it? Is it something that you're hungry for and you can't wait to get in his presence and see what he has in store because he's trying to show something to you that he's never showed to anybody else but you because you have a, a blueprint of your own? But are we just verse of the day in it? Back in the day, it used to be the bread box where you could pull out the verse of the box of the bread, fresh bread, and you put it down. That might have sustained you for a small snack 
you know when you eat bread and it gets stuck on the roof of your mouth? It lasts you a couple more minutes until you get a swig. But it, is, it, is, it, is it real? Is it real, true word of God? Do your children see you digging in this? Do they see you on your knees in prayer for them or for any situation at all? Or is it just the prayer at dinner and the prayer at bed? Or is it? Go to church for whatever reason. And, and here's the reality because some, some men, I'm just talking to men right now, because, and this is going to apply to everybody in some areas, but some men, if, if your spouse didn't go to church, would you even be here? If they couldn't make it, would you just stay home because they couldn't make it? Or would you get up and take your kids to church? Why is it always mom having to lead the show? If, 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 mom, if mom couldn't, does everybody just stay home? And do we use the excuse, well, I'm just going to take care of her. You're still in bed with her. I'm just being real because there, there's so many times if, 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 if she didn't make it, are you not going to make it? Because if she's not, well, I'm just not going to go too. I mean, it's just what it is. Because if, if, if that's the case, then who are you? Because I'll tell you deep down inside, every woman is desiring a man to step up as the head of the house and lead the pack. With the, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. In, in the word of God and in prayer and in all things. Not easily just going with the flow with, with just because what mom does and how spiritual mom is, so we just flow with mom. Thank God mom's spiritual because you're dead. But God's trying to raise up people to be alive. This ain't a bashing service, please believe. If you've been here many times, you know I'm going to say something stupid in a minute. <laughs> you're just waiting for it. You're like, oh, what is he going to say today? We've got a book of Brandon. <laughs> book of Norman here. But <laughs> I hate church. This sucks. <laughs> Only if you were here last week, you would know that verse and that translation you're still looking for. <laughs> but you go to church and, 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 and for whatever reason, but, but to really become a man of prayer, no matter how I preach, no matter how I preach, never maybe really considering Jesus until something's dying. Never really truly considering the death of Christ until something is dying. Never really considered truly seeking after him until something is truly dying. He just wants consistency. He just wants you to lead strong and well. <laughs> I heard it. I'm sorry, Gabe. <laughs> Wait, where are you going? It's church. You know, he's trying to preach. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so don't get up. Because these kids are going to call you out. <laughs> Why are you getting up again? You got up four times. My God. Didn't you pee the first time? What are you doing? <laughs> the kids. I love it. They're my secret agents. Um, 
get them. Woo, I got to get back on track because that's too good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So most men who, who won't respond to the word and won't respond to the message and won't respond, I, I guess you would say, to the ministry, they don't understand that God has to let something die to get you away from what you do. To, to focus on what you love, to get you away from what you do, to focus on what you love, something has to die. Because there is one thing that we all, that we will get on the horse for, talking about us men, there is one thing that we'll get on the horse for, and that's when someone we love is really dying. Then you got our attention. Then you got our attention. And we'll get on the, we'll do whatever it takes when something's dying. We'll go as far as we can when something's dying. And, and God has got Jairus' attention. I want to ask you men, <coughs> what will it take for God to get your attention? What will it take for him to get your attention? How many things will have to die before you come out of your pseudo-Christian attitude and really drop on your knees and throw your hands up and say, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. What will it take? What will it take to say it? To drop and just fully just surrender it, all of it, all of the pain, all of the past, all of the issues of life. And say, I'm just going to seek after the Father, no matter what. I'm not chasing this. I'm still struggling. Most guys hide it. They hide it and they bury it. And most of the time, it's because we're trying to add up to somebody that's hurt us in the past. When are we going to just lift it up and say, all to Jesus. Not all to my dad. Not all to that person. Not all to that ex. Not all to anything else. I give it to you, God. All to you. I fully surrender. I freely give it to you. I freely give. I don't know if you've ever looked up the word, what I just said, pseudo-Christian. Let me explain what it says. It blew my mind. A pseudo-Christian is one who sincerely believes he or she is a Christian and even has a level of righteousness in their actions, a level of righteousness in their actions, but is really motivated by their own selfish interpretation of the unselfish Christian scripture. The selfishness is deep-rooted and they honestly don't see it. selfish interpretation to just make it fit them for just them. And they do what they do because it selfishly fits who they are. Instead of saying, I surrender all, I take on whatever you give me. No, God, you can't take that because I have to fit this around me. You won't win doing that. Men, you won't win. You won't succeed in life when you just keep holding on to how you think you need to have things go. What's your priorities? It's Jairus' only daughter. His only daughter. His only daughter is dying. 
And God used it to get him away from what he does. I'm not talking about quitting your job. I'm not talking about leaving the area you're in. I'm talking about what, when push has come to shove, everyone around you needs to know that they are ultimately more important than what you do. When push comes to shove, he had to get his priorities in order. He's a leader of a synagogue, and, and he's, he's, he's a known influential leader that's probably heard of the Messiah, that's probably heard of Jesus Christ, that's probably heard of all the talk and all the crazy talk. Yeah, he's a false prophet. Yeah, he thinks he's got it all going on. But my daughter's dying. I heard he healed somebody. I got to go. I have nothing else to do. I can't do anything else. I'm at my last point. And I got to find this man named Jesus. I heard he was coming this way. I heard he was crossing the, the lake. I heard he was getting on the other side. I got to find where this man is at. My kid is dying. And going against your, your own rules and regulations just to get to the feet of Jesus. I think the churches need to wake up in general and get away from the rules and regulations and get back to Jesus. Just to get to his feet. I don't care what kind of leader. I don't care what he does. In the end, he had to find Jesus. Because his only daughter is dying. It's dying. When push comes to shove. Number two, Jairus teaches us about patience. That might be a cuss word to some of y'all. Patience. I can name about 10 things I ain't got patience for. Patience. When you're, you're dealing with this, going down this, you know, push come to shove moment, and it's just a rough course. Here's this fast course. You got to learn it quick. You got to get involved and you got to get going. And you're like, oh my gosh. Patience. Patience. Because he is bringing Jesus to his daughter. The man comes, falling at it. He sees him from it, runs, drops at his feet. And I guarantee it wasn't just like, oh, Jesus. No, I'm telling you, if that was me and that's my daughter, I'm wrapping my arms around his feet and I'm not letting go until he hears what I have to say. I heard you healed. I've heard all about I didn't see it, but I keep hearing about it because people keep complaining. You know God's up to something when the church, you hear complaints about church. Everybody keeps complaining about this guy, if it's real or not. Jesus, please, my daughter's dying. Whatever he did in that moment shook Jesus to a point where Jesus is like, I just got here, but I got to go to your house. He had stuff to do, and the crowd followed him. And he had stuff to do, but he's like, I got to go to your house. His faith to get there him getting his priorities in order because sometimes we we don't we don't get them in order we like to be selfish sometimes and do what we want to do and our children and our our spouses get the butt end of us that's not right is it is it fair because we're selfish 
because we want to do what we, nobody's going to tell me what to do. What that means, I don't know, puffing it up or something. But I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'm going to give you a piece of me later. So now your kids get scraps? Get your leftovers? And if that's the case, I promise you this, you probably don't tithe. Because if you treat your family like scrap, you'll treat God like scrap. That's true. That's a true statement. Nobody's trying to, oh, oh, he's talking about money. It ain't even about that. It's about your obedience. But if you choose not to be obedient, it's called dis. Well, it's got obedient in it. Yeah, but you dis. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's these priorities, and he's at his feet. And now he has to have patience. And men got to have patience. I ain't got patience for that. I'm good at that. If I don't, I'm going to... And it's like, get out of my way. You know how dad gets. Come on, kids. Just get over here because he know he's going to freak out. So he ain't got no patience. And we just... The, the women and the children have to justify your stupidity. I'm just being real about life, man. And now look, some of you young adults, say, you ain't dads yet. Listen to this stuff. Take heed. Sometimes we pattern from the people that we've had in our life. But sometimes what God's trying to do is break a generational curse and say, not anymore. What, Brie? It stops with me, right? It stops with me. I ain't living like that anymore. He's got to have patience. Why? He's got to bring Jesus to his daughter. Now, Jesus is like cream of the crop. How are you going to get Jesus all the way across town with nobody knowing because everybody knew. And it ain't like Jesus is flaunting his hair like they see in these pictures, like he's Fabio on the cross. What the heck? <laughs> oh, I'm here. <laughs> no, he's gentle. He, he just, he, he's got a grace upon his walk. He's just, it's a pace of grace. He's just pacing himself. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm here. It's okay. It's okay. And Jairus you ain't walking fast enough, Jesus. I need you to pick it up a couple, couple feet. I need you to pick them up. I, I didn't tell you. She's dying. Low breath. Low breathing. I need you walking faster. See, we look at this story and we forget like he was a dad. Because I'm telling you right now, not being disrespectful, but I might be grabbing Jesus' hand and we're going to have a walk. I'm kicking people out of the way. Get out of here. I mean, you know what that's like, right? When you go somewhere and you got to hurry up and get to your seat, and you're like, oh, come on, guys, we got to hurry up and get up there and get in that seat because that's the spot we need to get. Hurry up, get over there, hurry up. Are you just running late at the airport and Macaulay Calkins is still left behind again? He's 40 years old now. <laughs> no patience. We're sweating to death like I am right now. Heart's beating fast. Now, let me, let me tell you, just speaking on, a, on, a, on behalf of a dad, on behalf of a father who drove like a crazy person. When my daughter, Nevaeh, fractured her back because somebody threw her down on the ground. I'll tell you right now, I was acting, I, I wish I was in junior high. <laughs> Isn't there, couldn't there be a button where you like transform into a... <laughs> Who threw my kid? 
Because I can't go to jail being a kid. We're just fighting. <laughs> but drove like a crazy man. Whatever it took to get to my kid because her back was fractured laying on the, on the floor in a gymnasium. I drove as fast as I could. I, I, if you're a police officer and you're hearing this, yes, I probably ran a few lights. I swerved around a few people because I did not care at that moment. All I knew is I got to get to my kid. But didn't Jairus already go that route? I just got to get to Jesus because all I know is he's the only one that can probably do this. I've tried everything. I'm a ruler. I've given money. I've had these physicians come. I've done everything. They've done all their stuff. They've lit their incense. They've done their thing. They've anointed. They've done it. And nothing has changed. I've done everything. I've come to church. I try to be a good person. I come here and I feel like I'm numb and I can't get God and I don't feel him sometimes. Is this even working? Is this real? Am I? And then you start questioning because all you need is Jesus. Church won't save you. Church won't. It's just a gathering of people, the saints that come together. Oh, but I drove like a per crazy person. And, and when, we are, when we are after something, men, when we're after something, we go hard after it. I mean, I, I guess for me, I do. I don't want anything in my way when I'm going after something. You got to get up out of my way. You got to move over. I'm on my way to the school. I'm on my way to the hospital, from the school to the hospital. And now I rode in the ambulance, and I'm thinking, I'm going I'm to throw the ambulance driver up out of this ambulance because I'm going to turn it on, and I'm going to go a little bit faster than he's going. And I know my wife was following me behind me because she wanted me to ride in the ambulance with her. So we're going, and we're just talking. I'm like, I don't need talking. I just need you to put your foot through it. I don't care if you get your tongue. Fred Flintstone going. Like, I don't care. I could do that. Like, let's... Put the sirens on, let's roll. And I'm biting at the bit, man. I'm just like, oh my God. My, uh. And Jen's just whoo, whoo, all the way there. Going, get out of my way. Don't, I, I, I gotta go. Like when it comes to that point, you got to go. I got to go. I'm not trying to do anything bad. I'm not, don't expect me to try to be spiritual in that moment. Let's just be real. I got to go. I'm spiritual. I do love Jesus. But if you get in my way, I will hurt you. I love him. I pray for healing. Because in that moment, that's my baby. Look, I still, I'm still a work in progress. Like, let's just be real about it. We all have moments, and we all need to reframe it. I threw the frame out the window at the moment because I'm like, I got to go. But this is important because... Whatever it takes, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, and, and I say it like this, man. When, a man. when a man thinks something's important enough for you to go for help, then it's serious. Let's hear about this. When you go for help and it's that important to you, this got to be serious. Because men are the most stubborn people on the planet. I ain't going to the doctor for that. I'll just be sitting here. I'll put some Windex on it or something. You know, like whatever. I'm just going to let it be a thing. That's just what it is. I've been here 20-something years. I ain't going to care about that. It's not that important. Remember, Dad, when that tornado almost hit us? And you waved at us as we drove to the, down the street to go hide. You're like, I'll see you. If I go, I go. I love you. And the kids are like, ah, Dad's dying. What a ruiner. 
Happy Father's Day. It scarred me, Dad. Okay, Bree, it's all right, Kenzie. Dad's an idiot. <laughs> Like he just waved. He literally waved out the door. Hey, I'll see you later. I'm gonna sit on the back porch. This is good stuff. It's windy. It feels good. Got my shirt unbuttoned. I'm breezing. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Dad. There, pops, Jimbo, Daddy O. But <laughs> when you're on a mission. Mama was on a mission, okay? This ain't even had to do with dad because dad didn't have a mission. He's just sitting back picking his belly button. Like, <laughs> Mom took the kids. She didn't care about anything. Like, we're going to the basement. We're, this thing's hitting us. We're going to die. Everybody get something. And dad's like, <laughs> have fun. I'll be here when you get back. <laughs> and then all, all I could think about is Wizard of Oz. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Jesus. But when a man has something important, it's because uh, generally they won't admit to anybody that we got troubles. Generally, men will internally try to figure it out because we got troubles. We don't want to put a, impose on somebody else knowing that the wife is nagging at us. Don't say nothing, man, because you're going to get elbowed hard. And you know the right. And you ain't going to say nothing because you're good. We're good. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. But when you know that something's so serious that it's got you on the run, you know it's serious. If the trouble gets bad enough, we go for help. I don't want no interpretation. of. I just need the real thing. I just need the real thing. I, I got to have patience. And who in the heck is this woman? Who's this woman? What the heck is this woman doing? I got to Jesus first. <laughs> I got a serious situation happening. If you're not my daughter, and if you're not on the path of where we're going, you need to leave Jesus alone. Because I, I got his attention first. Who in the heck is this woman? What are you doing? You don't hear much about it because he, he is needing to go to his daughter and here comes a woman. I got to go. Jesus, I, you know he's grabbing his neck and biting on something. He's just like, time is of the essence. I got to go. What do you do when you have a plan and it gets interrupted? What do you do with your plan that gets so interrupted? Because we love to have a plan. If you're married to a man with a plan, he's a smart man. He's got a plan. He's got a plan how it's going to go. He's got a plan how he's going to work. He's got a plan about the house. He's got a plan about the, everything that goes on. He's got a plan how it's going to work out. He's got a plan. Just think about it. Ask a man how he cuts the grass. He's got a plan how he's going to do the whole thing before he does it. He's got a plan. He's got a plan how he's going to weed eat or how he's going to do this. He's got a plan. If something goes wrong, he's got to have a plan. We got a plan. He's got a plan how it's going to work out, how it's going to happen. But this woman is wrecking the plan. And the crazy part is, is Jesus wanted the plan to be wrecked. 
because he must pass the test of what I said. Patience. He has to stand there and wait for this woman that he doesn't even know. She coming out of the woodwork. I didn't even see her walk up. Who is this woman? Crawl across the floor and get healed. Touch this garment and get healed. And then they're going to have a debate over who touched him. Everybody's touching you, Jesus. You've got to go touch my daughter. Let's go. And have a debate on who's touching who. And then you've got to wait for her to come clean and get up. Okay, who touched her? Is somebody going to... If that was me, I would have just pushed the next girl up or somebody. They touched you. Okay, let's go. Have a debate. Wait for her to get up. Wait for her to stop lying. Because she ain't saying nothing. And then she finally felt a certain way. Come up out of the crowd. Yeah, it was me. I did it. Fall on her knees. Okay. They got to hurry, Jesus. We got to go. Jesus, we got to go. But he has to hold his peace. Every father has to learn to be patient. Even when your plans don't go right, Jairus teaches us about patience. You don't really hear much about it. You just know he's on a path, and it is very serious. And all this stuff happens on the way. And they said that it was almost like bottlenecking through the, through the, the streets because it was so full of people. And all he needed to do was get Jesus to this place. And now somebody's touched. And now we're dealing, with the, we're dealing with this. And now we're dealing with stopping and trying to figure it out. And he's trying to teach us about that. That, that Jairus is trying to say patience and, 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 and trying to say that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. He's trying to teach us about patience. Teach us to hold on to our peace in a bad situation. He teaches us how how to deal with male disappointment. He teaches us what to do when we who need to be in control are out of control. And there's nothing you're saying to me that I have not already said to myself. And Jairus teaches us patience because things went so wrong for him. It wasn't that she was dying. It was while Jesus was distracted, she died. Jesus got distracted and she died. And I, the only way I can explain this is, is you have to have a child to even understand it. You have to have a child to even understand what this is about, what that means. His daughter died while he was waiting, while he was fitting to. Fitting to do that. Well, fitting to do. If you hear people say that, well, I'm just fitting to. Well, you didn't get to it yet. While he was re ready to try to get it together, she died. While he finally decided, she died. They send word and said, she's dead. No worry to bother the teacher. She's dead. It's over. She's dead. It's your fault. 
because you should have got him to her quicker. It's your fault, Jairus. It's your fault because you should have responded quicker. Didn't you see it? Or were you too busy doing your job of trying to do your leadership job and you didn't see it? You were so busy trying to make everything look good for the house and for the family to set in stone, but you missed your daughter dying. Or you missed your son dying. Maybe they're not for real dying, but are they dying inside? You're so busy trying to do the right thing for your family that you're missing it, and it's all wrong. Because they're dying. They're dying. Should have responded quicker. You should have been there. Now she's dead. Now you got Jesus over here stuck with this woman, and now you got your daughter dead. I could have just stayed home and been with her to her last breath. Now I'm stuck in the middle of this whole thing. You ever find yourself knowing there's a problem, and you're trying to get to Jesus, and you're stuck in the middle because Jesus has not, healed, not answered your prayer just as you think you needed it answered yet? And you've got a problem over here, and it's still a big issue over here. And now you're stuck, and you're like, I've, I've messed it all up. I can't do this. I've messed it up. And just the time he's about to lose it, and everybody is dismayed, Jesus says, it's cool. I got this. Because he heard what he said. Oh, just leave the teacher. No, no. When the teacher makes up his mind, he makes up his mind. Oh, it's cool. I got this. I mean, for bad to get worse. Listen, Jesus is trying to tell him, look, I got this. Guys, I meant for bad to get worse. I meant for it to get worse. I'm not going to be your, daughter, your daughter's doctor. I'm going to be your daughter's resurrector. I meant for it to get worse. She don't need a doctor. She needs a resurrector. And sometimes we don't understand that. That's good stuff. And I allowed bad things to get worse. So you could discover what I'm worth in your life. I allowed it. Because church push has come to shove. I've allowed it so you can understand what I'm worth in your life. I want you to see me do my thing. I want you to see me do it. That if you just trust me, even when it looks like your life is out of control, because when I get through working it out, you're going to rejoice like you've never rejoiced for in your entire life. I got this. That's what Jesus is saying. I got this. I'm trying to tell you, church. He's trying to tell you, I got this. I got this. You're going to rejoice because I got this. Is this good stuff? I got this. I know it's getting quiet. Could you touch somebody and tell them, I got this? Go ahead, just, just tap on them. I got this. Now you all got to have to wake up. Say, I got this. There you go. Hey, w- welcome home. I got this. 
bad has gotten worse. What's Jesus say? God's got it. God's got it. He's saying he's got it. Bad's got worse. Guess what, church? Good news. God's got it. This situation is out of control. God's got this. All hell is breaking loose. God's got this. You're at your wit's end. God's got this. You're discouraged and overwhelmed, but God's got this. You're embarrassed and disgraced, but God's got this. Your heart is overwhelmed, but God has got this. Death is in your living room, but God has got this. You don't know who to trust, but God has got this. You don't know your friends from your enemies, but God has got this. You've been embarrassed in front of the people who were proud of you, but God has got this. Amen? God's got this. I don't know about you, but I, that, that makes me want to shout. I mean, that just gets, if I was sitting out there, I would act like I was at some other church, and I'm going to stand up and wave a hanky. Don't be afraid to, to say amen. Let it be so. Amen. Let it be. Let that be so in my life. God's got this. If you agree, say amen. Amen. He's got this. Come on. It's alive and well. Okay, if you hop up and shout, I don't care what you do. Because it, it hits you in your soul that you realize that God has got it. No matter what you face. So the third thing Jairus teaches us is the, the power of privacy. <coughs> Ooh, Jesus. Ooh. The power of privacy. You got too many people with you to get the job done. You have too many people, church, with you to get the job done. And see what God's going to do? He's going to strip you of all them people. And some of you are like, oh, I don't know about that. I live off my emotions on how I feel around them and how they make me feel. We live in such a dysfunctional life. Like, we, we, we really care about how everybody feels around us. Oh, you just, oh, I'm having a, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. If you've got a friend that's always patting you, you need to leave that friend. Because somebody's going to have to get in your ear and say, put your trust in God. Have you been in your word today? Get up. Grab your sword. Your helmet's over there. Your shield's over here. Get up. It's time to go. Oh, well, I just will know. I'm just, oh, just another That's ice cream and Netflix. <laughs> but we got to have some bold people in our lives that are saying, wake up. God's got this. Get up. Nope. Don't you get in a slumber. You done messed up. You ain't no big grizzly bear. Get your butt up. It's time. God's got this privacy. God's going to start stripping you of some of those people. He's going to strip you of some of those people so that when he does the miracle, there will be no doubt about who gets the praise. Mm. Jesus. 
There will be nobody left in the room but God himself. And now, watch this. You got to see this. When Jesus gets to the house, the mourners are there mourning. And there's a crowd of people mourning. They're just, they're in awe of what has happened to this little girl. But Jesus only takes a few people in the room because he tells everybody that's there to get out. Now, I don't know how you would feel being a family member and somebody in the house and you, you, you crying and mourning because it's real. That's what we do when we lose somebody. And Jesus is like, y'all need to get up out of this house. Who are you? Like, because you're trying to, nothing matters at this moment. You're just crying, and you're, you're, you can't even see your own, you can't see in front of you. You're, you're crying so bad. And he's getting everybody out of the house. You need to get up out of here. You're crying. <laughs> it sounds like some mean parent. Stop the crying. You better stop that crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about. <laughs> Remember that, Dad? <laughs> Happy Father's Day. I'm going to keep hitting you from a distance. But he, the mourners are crying, and he said, everybody out. Everybody out. But then Jesus only takes a few people in the room. The mother, the father, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. They all go into the room, leave the mourners outside, that's the first separation. So Jesus says to Peter, James, John, mom, and dad, basically you can come a little closer. So they come into the room. And they're all mourning. And they're all, now they're all mourning and Jesus is saying this. Hold up. She's asleep. And they start laughing. And their laugh canceled their opportunity to be in the room. Because any time you think God is joking, any time you think God is joking, you cancel out your opportunity to witness his handiwork. Any time you believe what you see more than you believe what he said, you cancel out the opportunity to be in that next room with him. I got to believe what I see than what, I, what he had said. Then you cancel your opportunity to go into the room with him. This is a classic case, church, of God wanting to promote somebody who cannot handle the next level. He brought them in the room. He had to put them out of the room. Do you, church, men, women, do you have enough faith to stay in the room? Do you have enough faith to believe God's report? Do you have enough faith to stand on the promise of God? I feel like I'm preaching to somebody. I don't know who it is in this room, but do you have enough faith to be in the room? See, most men think that 
The objective is to get in the room. You know, if I could only just get in the room, man, that would be amazing. If I could just get in that room. I mean, I mean, I would, if, if I could be a fly on the wall in that room, man, that would have been amazing. If I could just get there in that room, man, if I could have just sat at that table, but I could have gone there to that and been in that room. I mean, that would have been amazing. Oh, God, one day I'm going to get in that room. One day I'm going to be in that room. And, and the reality is, church, is the problem is not getting in the room. It's staying in the room. It's staying there. Many are the men who got in the room that they couldn't stay in. Your talent will get you in the room that your character won't let you stay in. This is the problem we face across the board. And especially at churches because people just want just because just somebody's got a talent. But behind a talent has to have character. And too many times, pastors will turn a blind eye and just use anybody for any reason and not care about their character and their development and leadership. Woo-wee. Oh, that's good stuff. Jesus. Oh. I don't know if you're hearing me. It's not whether you're talented enough to be on that next level. It's do you have the character, the tenacity, the fight, the ethic, the integrity to stay in the room? Do you have it? Or are you going to be out of the room too? Do you have the integrity to stay in there when push comes to shove? And when push has come to shove, let's just say when Jesus comes to shove, do you have it to stay? Do you have it to stay? Whew. Put him in the room. You mean, Lord, you're telling me that I got to get out of this room? You put Peter, James, and John up out of this room? That's your inside circle. That's your committee. That's your board in the room. You put them out? You put her mama out? You put her daddy out of the room? That's their daughter. Why would you put them out? I ain't getting out of no room. Get out. You put them out? Are you kidding me? Why would you put the mom and dad out? I mean, we'll go. Just let mom and dad stay. Come on. Because sooner or later, every father and mother has to learn to give your child privacy with God. Sooner or later, you have to learn to give privacy with God your child, sooner or later you have to cut the umbilical cord and leave them alone with God. Sooner or later. Sooner or later you got to cut it and let it go. Because you can only do so much, church, as the parent. But if you're walking around with your cord hanging out, okay, kid, come here. You're 38 years old. Come here. I mean, how goofy does that look? All right, I'm going to bring you over here for a minute. <laughs> you got to cut the cord so they can have a long time with the king. You're hindering them from being alone with Jesus. But I love them and I want to do everything I can. You've done enough. Give them to the Lord. Woo-wee. And trust. Listen, and the reason is, is you got to trust. If God was God enough to raise you, 
if God was God enough to raise you and brought you through the crazy life you've lived, and God delivered you after you made all those silly mistakes and crazy moments in your life, sooner or later you got to say to your children, I commit, I'm committed to give them to you, God. And the word of grace which abides in who you are is going to build them up. It's going to lift them up. I'm, I'm, I'm committing to give them to you. We say we want to give them to the Lord, but when push comes to shove, do we? When push comes to shove, do we? And, and the reality is, is daddy can't do this. Mommy can't do this. Here it is. I got to leave you alone with Jesus. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. I got to leave you. Some parents should be shouting me down right now. Like, for real. The battle belongs. I got to leave you with Jesus right now. And maybe the reason you can't shout is because you still got the cord. He's got it tucked in your back side. <laughs> and I know that's tough because you love your kids so much, but you're only going to hinder them from growing if you don't let them go. I mean, a kid can only be fed so long. A kid can only get their diaper. Come here, grown man. I'm going to change your diaper today. Here, have some breast milk. <laughs> it sounds stupid, and you just all were shocked that I said breast milk. But here's the reality. Why do we keep treating grown people that are our children like they babies? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Why do we keep doing this stuff when he, God is saying, I just need to get alone with them in a room, and you won't leave the room. I just need to get alone with them. Cut the cord, cut everything out, and just let me be alone. You know why? Because if they get alone with God, it's going to change their life forever. Because if not, they just know you're the safety net. And every time I have a problem, I go to mommy, I go to daddy, and they save me. When are we going to cast our cares upon him who cares for us? That's going to do the job. Because eventually the parents can only go so far. I'm not trying to bash nobody. I'm just saying what he's trying to show is that you've got to let them go to the Lord. Even if you don't like it. I don't think I would have liked being the parent and saying my daughter's in that room with this man. I want to see it happen. I've went all the way there to get him. I want to see it. But the morning started happening. And then the frustration of laughing. <laughs> he said, she's asleep. That girl's dead. I went all this way for what? Get out. You know, Jesus didn't have to heal her. But he was going to show his power. The battle belongs to the Lord. I, I want to warn you, fathers, about getting in a room you don't stay in. You prayed your way in, but can you stay in? You prayed your way to the room, but can you stay in the room? This is the problem we have. Look, I ain't going to be pushing one side or another, but I'll just keep it right down the center, and I'll say it just like this. This is the problem we have even with political figures. They often build a task that gets them elected, but they don't build a task to perform the function of the office. That's good stuff, because I'm tired of it. 
Nobody, you see what I'm saying? Unless you keep paying your gas like that, it's cool. Like, <laughs> but they don't. They, they'll, they'll build it just to get there, but they don't build it to sustain the room, to make the changes. And we all vote off of ignorant stuff. You're better to getting in the room with Jesus than any room with everybody else. Finally, with everybody out and no witnesses, God reveals his power. Number four, God reveals his power. This is the last point. I'm going to have the worship team come up, and we're just going to sing that last song, whether we sing the bridge or whatever. I just want you to stay focused because I'm going to finish this part up right here. God reveals his power. Think about this for a minute. How many times have you prayed? Think about this. How many times have you prayed for a healing? And you got it. Healed, and you didn't even know it happened. You prayed for a healing, and you got healed and didn't know it happened. Example. This year, I was supposed to have a transplant. I was supposed to have a liver transplant. I had a fatty liver that was scarred and jacked up. A couple years ago, I made a statement right here, said I wasn't living right because I ate my feelings. I was talking about the inheritance and the bowl soup, and I literally was 280 pounds, and that's huge for me. Everybody's weight's different. I'm just saying for me. And I got down all the way to 222, and by the time I went back to the doctor, the doctor was so shocked. He said, your liver's back to normal. He said, you have a normal liver. I mean, he was shocked. This dude is so intelligent. He was following me around to get the sonogram and do all this stuff. And he was like, I've never seen this in all the years I've done medicine. I've never seen this before. And I'll tell you, I said, that's God. And I said, it's, it, it's God. He healed me. And I'll tell you this. He's, he's a good God. I said, but, 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 hold on. And, and I said, and I did it too. He's like, what? Because that sounds almost selfish, don't it? Because you would ask God to heal you from something and you keep eating Oreo. I just need heal from diabetes and I keep eating all the sugar. Why are you asking God to heal you when you won't even limit yourself? You're about to eat your own hand. Oh, it's got sugar on it. Because I had to put the word, God, I need you to heal my liver. Ah, Oreo, chips, ah, dip, cheese, 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 cheese. Crackers, 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 crackers. Humongous bowls of cereal that's from the Lord. But I, I had to put in the work myself. I had to do some of the work myself. And when I went back, he said, this is crazy. You're li-. I got the proof. I have the whole thing. I have both sides. My liver looked jack. It looked like y'all put your little pork chops on the grill a little too long. And how else am I going to get a transplant unless something has to die? And I refused to let something die so I could live because I didn't know how to take care of my own body. But when I realized that it was happening, I don't think it just happened in that moment. I just went to the doctor. doctor's like, man, your liver's back to normal. I was like, wow. I actually didn't even say wow. I was just like, what? And I called. It was just me because Jen wasn't with me. And I was like, yeah. They said this. She goes, babe, your liver's normal. Like she blew up for me. It was awesome. But what I didn't realize is he already healed me, and I didn't even know it. He already healed me, not just in that moment when I stepped in there and he did the whole thing one more time to look at it. I was already healed. And I had no clue. How many times have you prayed for things to get better, and they got better? And you didn't even know it. You didn't even know when they got better. 
Because you finally stop and think and you start looking around and you're like, wait, it's better. Wait, it got better. Because God doesn't need your input to display his power. He doesn't need your input. When God gets ready to bring you out, he can bring you out without a witness. He can bring you out so fast, you won't even know how it happened. God will use his power to display it every time. Somebody say power. That's what we need. We need the power of God to display in our lives. When we're just walking our daily life and we're healed and not even realize we're healed. And we just keep on walking and we figure it out later when we get home. Like, oh, Well, hold up. What I used to hold on to to sit down, I don't need to hold on to to sit down. Oh, wait, my back's better. Wait, hold on. No, you've got you to gotta be kidding me. You don't even realize it because when you walk by faith and not by sight, you get healed in the process. But how are you going to get healed and you're asking for a prayer request that you're not limited to yourself? Help me, God, and you won't stop. I got lung cancer. I need prayer as you smoke three more packs a day. Are you kidding me? Throw them away. Let's pray. I'll pray, but... I need help, but I'm not doing the work myself. His power is there, and he wants you to have access to all of it. So the power of God will walk over, and this is what's amazing. The power of God will walk over to a dead girl, and they know. Everybody knows she's dead. She's dead dead. She's so dead, they laughed about saying that she was dead. What are you doing talking to a dead girl? What are you doing? She's dead. You know dead people can't hear. They're dead. What are you doing? And Jesus walks over to a, a dead ear. And he says, little girl, arise. I don't know about you, church. It says that the spirit came back into that body. But I know that I can raise my hand and say, I probably have some family members that are spiritually dead right now that need to hear the voice of the Lord in their ear saying, arise, 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 get up, get up, get up. You've laid too long. You're in a weird dream. Get up, arise, child, arise. And maybe you're in here and you're like, I, I've just been living life. I don't have patience. I don't have, I've just been trying to do it. God's trying to wake you up. Arise. Just get up. Let my power flow through your veins. Woo. How many know you might, you might have been dead today until you heard this word? I was dead until I heard this word today. I'm alive and well now. Arise. See, my he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna raise it up. Stand with me, church. We're gonna we're gonna transition. He's gonna raise it up because my finances might have been dead, but what's he say? Arise. My finances might have been dead. My peace might have been dead. Arise. My joy might have been dead. Arise. My wisdom isn't even. It's kind of arise. 
going to rise and get up. Somebody give God that praise, that power, because he's so good. Can you imagine? Turn it down just a little bit. Can you imagine? Now, the, every, the tests are done. The tests are over, and Jesus opens the door with your child on his arm. Now, they've all been kicked out. And Jesus opens the door, and here comes your child with him. Whoever this child is. Now, I'd flip out if that was my kid, and Jesus come walking out with Vea. She's alive. He's spoken to her life. He's just not a doctor. He's a healer. He's, he's the resurrection. He's, he's everything. His power is so good. Because being kicked out of a room can get you into a place of frustration and losing your patience and make your priorities get all, all wonky and jacked up because you're like, why am I out of this room? This man's talking to a dead girl. And we got to make plans now. What are we going to do about the arrangements? And what are we going to do? Because what he was trying to do was get everybody who was lacking faith out of the room so that he can perform the miracle. Can you imagine? He opens the door and here comes your daughter with him. And he's like, hey, this girl's hungry. You better get her something to eat. She needs a bowl of cereal. Depends on what time it is. If it was my son waking up, he'd be like, Dad, I need some ribs. I need some chicken. <laughs> get her something to eat. She's hungry. And here's the craziest part in the end is if God is, is, if he knows all things, and if, if God is all-powerful, omnipotent, if he's all-powerful and he knows all things, and, 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 and if he's, he's everywhere, if he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful and he's everywhere, and if he can do everything, why didn't he just heal her without coming? And if, if he knows everything, didn't he know that talking to that woman was going to cause that girl to die? If he knows everything, wouldn't he known that that girl that touched the hem of his garment was going to cause a ripple effect for a, somebody else to die? And, and why did he have to go there if he's all-knowing and he's everywhere? Why did he have to go there if he was already there? I can't figure out why sometimes God lets things go wrong when he already knows he's going to fix it. But why couldn't you just leave it well if it, so it didn't need fixed? And the answer, church, is that it was a test. It's the crash course to every father, to every person that we must take in our lifetime. Some maybe more than once. The test of priorities, patience, privacy, and power. That's what it is. I'm going to leave you with that. Dads, 
we believe in you. We believe in you so much. We're looking for you to lead the pack. We're thankful for you. I'm going to say a prayer. They're going to sing this back end of this song. And then remember, dads, when you leave, get you some of that stuff. There's all kinds of goodies back there. And take a picture before you eat your cookie because you're going to be looking weird. Go ahead and sing it. I'm going to pray after this. I